Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Today's scripture comes from two different books of the Bible. We're starting in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Continuing in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. If you're just joining us this morning, welcome. You've stepped into the middle of a summer of exploring the themes of exodus and freedom as they emerge all the way through scripture, but especially the book that's known as Exodus, where we see the story of God's rescue of his people from enslavement in Egypt. God shuts down the empire and frees a bunch of enslaved people, restores them, not just in a material sense, but restores them into relationship with himself and with each other, whole in mind and body and soul. And if you are just joining us this week, you're also in the middle of a, a smaller part of that series. We're looking at God's 10 words, commonly known as the 10 commandments. We, a couple weeks ago, spent some time with the, the last half of those words that have to do with loving our neighbor. Last week, we looked at the first two or three, depending on how you count, especially what it means to bear God's name as his people. And this week, we're spending some time with, well, 
kind of flyover country. If the command about not bearing God's name in vain is something we often don't know what to do with, again, go back and watch last week, this command to rest is also, I dare say, especially for us as Americans, a little foreign. Now, the idea of one day in seven being set apart is not at all new when we get to this part of the biblical story. Right there on page one of any Bible, just open it up, or maybe if your Bible is formatted a little unusually, it might be page two, but right there at the ending of the first chapter and the first few verses of the second chapter, we get to the end of day six of creation, and right there in day seven, God stops his work of creation. He ceases, which is what Shabbat, the Hebrew word, means. He ceases, and he rests from all the work he'd done in creation. Now, he sustains the universe. He's still involved, but there's a sense that he settles in. That's what this word rest for God actually means. He kind of settles in and begins to just enjoy everything that he has done. He has just declared is very good. And, indeed, just a few pages ago, right here in the same book of Exodus, just flip back a few chapters from Exodus 20, where we're at this week, and you find the story of the manna that God, when he gave his people food, he gave them plenty of food on day one, day two, day three, day four, plenty of food for that day, but not more than they needed. Every day they got just enough for that day, except for day six. On day six, God provided twice what they would use on a day, and that food would last all the way through this day seven. And on day seven, they were not to go out and gather food. They were simply to take the day off, to Shabbat, to cease, and to settle in to the security of knowing that God has provided for them this week, this day, and will continue to provide for them their whole life long. This Sabbath command, this word about ceasing here in Exodus 20, it's not new. It's all the same stuff that they've been hearing in various ways before, that they are to cease on day seven. They're not to do any work. But God fleshes it out. He lays out some of the implications that not just they are to not work, but they're actually not supposed to make the others who would normally work for them work. Your manservant, your maidservant, your kids, the people you hire, the people you, honestly, even your animals are not supposed to work for you on this day. On this day, there should be a ceasing from the need to be productive and simply enjoy that the sovereign God who loves you and has covenanted with you provides for you. Do you remember how much fun you used to have playing on things like this? Or, if nobody's looking, how much fun you have playing on things like this now? There's actually a place where Jesus makes a point of paying attention to children, the ones around you and your own childhood, and to receive his rule and reign, to receive his way of working the universe, his love and care and delight in us, the way a child receives the care and delight, and yes, the rule of a loving, caring parent with joy, with gladness, 
resting securely in love. Now, in these words, in these commands, as God invites his people, invites us to rest, in the command, the way it comes through in Exodus, God emphasizes that this is in continuity with his work all along. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work. On the seventh, you'll rest. You're going to stop. Because in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and he hallowed it. And so God blessed it and he wants you to, you want to follow his example. But the command appears one other time directly like this. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, gives a series of speeches to prepare the people for this new land they're about to enter. They're finally, after 40 years, going to be leaving the wilderness. And Moses is not going to be with them. Moses is going to walk up the mountain and he is going to die. Joshua will lead them into the promised land. But Moses, in his parting words, summarizes a great many things and restates a great many things. And when he gets to this Sabbath command, it's very similar. Six days you'll work, do all your labor. The seventh is Sabbath, a ceasing to Lord your God. But there's a couple differences. One is an even stronger emphasis on seriously. Don't even make your animals work. It's not just a one mention of cattle. It's not your ox, not your donkey, nor any of your other animals. And God calls his people to remember. We are to remember that we, we as God's people, we were enslaved as immigrants in Egypt. And because we were enslaved in an empire that was all about working people to death for economic gain. We, as God's people, are to remember that status and choose to rest because we are free and choose to release other people into rest because we are free and provided for. The exact words of this command in Deuteronomy are as follows. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter. Again, don't, don't make your kids work. Your male servant or your female servant, they work for you, but they're not to work on this day. Your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the immigrant who stays with you, the immigrant who is within your gates. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. For me personally, some of the reason I learned to so much love just being outside here in the Pacific Northwest is uh, growing up in Portland as a kid, uh, my family practiced a kind of Christian Sabbath on Saturdays. We prepared on Friday. The housework all got done and I put away the schoolwork so I didn't have any homework to do. We didn't conduct any business, meaning we didn't do anything that involved uh, you know, exchange of money on Saturday. 
But what that meant was Saturday was either kind of a, a lazy day around the house to kind of read, play games, things, or we'd go out hiking. And so I just, any number of weekends throughout the year, only when it was, you know, super wet and cold during the winter, did we not go out. And I just, being in the woods, being on trails, being in the mountains, just to this day is a place of rest and peace for me because of, in part, the way I was formed practicing Sabbath as a kid. See, for us as people who've been brought into relationship with God, Sabbath is an opportunity to live into the truth of God's sovereign care for us, to live for at least one day a week intentionally, inconveniently in some ways, to remind ourselves and begin to live into the truth the other six days as well, that God cares for us. And my freedom is not dependent on me working hard. My freedom is not dependent on making those who employ me happy. My freedom, my fulfillment, my wholeness, my shalom comes graciously and freely from a God who provides for me, even when I do not provide for myself for one day a week at his invitation. Of course, all this raises the question, what's, what's work and what would it look like to stop from work? Does this mean just sort of laying around on the couch all day? And short answer, no. There's a pastor in Portland, a guy named John Mark Comer, who has done, I think, a great job of laying out a simple rubric for thinking through how we might spend a day or, you know, if you're just starting out this practice, a half a day at some point taking time to cease from our work and enjoy God's. And, and he, he has three simple questions. Is it restful? Essentially, does it rejuvenate me? Does it restore me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? So yeah, that can involve things like taking a nap, but it also might mean taking a walk. It might mean getting into a recipe that you've been meaning to try out and just haven't had time the rest of the week. Picking up a good book and a good cup of coffee always a favorite pastime of mine. Anything that rests you, again, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, is ceasing from our work and enjoying what God gives us. But not just is it rest, but also is it fun? Pleasure and delight are intrinsic to the character of God. And if we're going to live into God's care for us, we should know how to spend time just enjoying ourselves in good and wholesome ways. We need to never forget that Jesus got invited to parties all the time. He was accused of going to way too many parties, which tells me he had fun and people had fun with him because he kept getting invited. So by all means, maybe hosting a party isn't your thing, but going to one might be. And if hosting is your thing, if hosting brings you joy, then do that on the Sabbath. Have some people over and safely, distantly, outdoors maybe in this particular time, but have some people over and enjoy yourself with them. For myself, one of the ways that I spend my Sabbath, which I, again, keep mostly on Saturdays, 
I play games with my kids. I love table games just for myself with adult friends, but with my kids, it's just a great way to engage with them, spend time with them, explore with them, and I deeply enjoy it. And just a little further down the trail, is it restful? Is it fun? And is it worship? This is a Sabbath to the Lord our God who rescued us out of enslavement to the empires in our lives, to our self-reliance and into a joyful reliance on him. And so we should take time on our Sabbath, on our day of ceasing to, well, specifically enjoy God. Now, anytime you eat a good meal, that is a gift of God and you should enjoy it and enjoy it as worship. I enjoy playing games with my kids, and when I'm at my best, I know that this is a gift of time for me and my kids, and it is worshipful for me on, on that level. But by all means, on your day of ceasing, whether that's a Sunday for you and you're joining us online or join us live outside later today, or whether your Sabbath is in the middle of the week or a Saturday like I take, but on your day of ceasing, make sure you're intentionally carving out specific time to worship God. Whether that's journaling or, of course, praying, maybe praying in some ways you don't have time for the rest of the week. Digging into scripture or reading some books for discipleship that you don't have time for. Podcasting, there's all kinds of ways that you can invest in your ongoing life with Jesus. Meeting together with a few friends to pray together and on and on and on. All kinds of ways and ask, discuss, converse with God and, and seek those ways of worship out for you. Oh friends, the good news of Jesus is not just that he's dealt with our sins on the cross, although what a gift and central to our faith and trust. The gift of God's substitutionary death on our place at the cross is the foundation of the restoration God wants to bring. Not just a freedom from sin, but an invitation into life in a new kingdom. And that's what the Sabbath is intended to be a foretaste of for us. Just as the Sabbath is a weekly rhythm of days one, two, three, four, five, six, and then we get to the day that's set apart and we, we put it aside, we set it aside to cease from our work and enter into God's rest. The Sabbath is also a symbol for us of the ultimate rest that awaits us. Jewish and Christian commentators have noticed for millennia that in the original creation story in Genesis, every day begins, there's evening, there's morning, and then day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. Day seven simply is. In some ways, day seven is an eternal day with no ceasing, which is exactly what's going on in Revelation at the end of the Bible, why there's no need for sun or moon to mark days, because we've now entered the fullness of the eternal Sabbath, the eternal resting in God and enjoying of God that awaits his people. And then we practice that now. It's a journey through the days to get to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is itself a foretaste of the fullness of shalom that is to come. 
So friends, this invitation comes from Jesus, who is our fullness, to rest in him and to practice that by taking this gift of time and receiving it and enjoying it and milking it for everything it's worth. And surely, friends, in this time when so much of our previously normal life has simply ceased, perhaps among a great many other things that God is doing, this time we're living in with all its chaos and its anxiety that are very real, but this time may be God's invitation to let some of the former things just not come back, to enter into new rhythms of life. And really this, this rhythm of Sabbath, if we're looking for sustainability, I mean, this is it, right? A rhythm of grace that's given to us in a universe that is fully, fully in control of a sovereign God who loves us, cares for us, and will keep us until that day when all things are made new. Amen.